Hey, welcome everyone to another edition of the Tom and Perry Music Show. I'm Perry Dedovich and I'm here with Tom Griffin. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about Squeeze, some songs by the pop group Squeeze, oh, right? Yes. Oh, yes. And uh, also we're going to talk about some movie songs, songs that... Movie uh, songs, yes. Right. These are like when you hear the song, it, ta- it reminds you of a movie. You know, it, yes. just, it just takes you that way. And we're also going to have a live look back. Yes, sir. Right, Tom? You uh, you sent me a nice video of uh, yes. Lou Harris singing a song. I believe it was a Chuck Berry song. It was a Chuck Berry right? song. Yep. Now, we're going to have some good stuff tonight, Perry. It's going to be a great show. Yeah. Oh, we, well, also, uh, you have a couple of trivia questions, and I have a couple of trivia questions of my own for you, Tom. Stop it. Are you kidding yep. me? I uh-huh. I kid you not. I'm excited. I'm a little alarmed. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited. Why? Too. Why? Because it's been a few weeks? <laughs> it has been a few weeks. That's okay. Everything's yeah, right. going good. So, yes. uh, uh, as far as the squeeze, uh, I love the group. I love the group Squeeze. Absolutely, They're a great pop group. You know, Gifford and Tilbrook are like Lennon and McCartney to a lot of people, <laughs> Absolutely. right? And they play with a lot of other people, and they always add a nice quality, especially you know Chris Difford's low voice. Oh, it's spectacular! Yeah, yep. What are uh, a couple of your favorite Squeeze songs? Well, Perry, I have to tell you, my absolute favorite squeeze anything is mm-hmm. Margie Bargie, the classic the Argy album, Bargie. Bargie. Well, what oh, a great my record. Goodness. Yep. It's just, and me and my friends were so into like that new wave stuff of like, you know, late 70s, early Joe Jackson. We were yeah. totally into it. But squeeze seemed to be like the more they were, pop. They were pop. Exactly. They yeah. were more pops. Yeah. They were more accessible. They got really popular. But Argy Bargie, now everyone knows the big hits on Argy Bargie, you know, pulling muscles from a shell and. Yeah. Another nail in my heart, you know. That, all those. Oh, that's one of my. That exactly. One of my top top squeeze songs. Right, and then there's if I didn't love you, I'd hate you. I mean, oh my god. But yeah, there's there's some really cool album cuts. Perry, do you remember the song Misadventure? You know, I've I've had all the records. I had Cool for Cats. I had oh Archie Bargy, but with Misadventure so and I couldn't, tell you, I couldn't yeah. tell you the album cuts. So give me now, a little I'm, bit I, of it. I, I'm cheating because I just listened to it again today. With Misadventure and her mates. Misadventure and her mates. I, I, yeah, I've heard that. Yep. Okay. So that song, Um, what was the other one? Oh, there's this other excellent song. I think I'm a go-go. Do you remember that yeah, song? Yep. Oh, my goodness. So yeah, when that, that when was that a al- quirky pop song. <laughs> yes, yeah. it was. You yep. know, and it's funny because the whole album was filled with songs like that. It had the big hits, but they were all in a poppy vein. No five or six-minute songs, no anything like that. They were now, very poppy. excuse me, on, on RG Bargy, was Jules Holland still the keyboard player? Absolutely. Yes. He was there. He left, I believe, a year later, they mm-hmm. said, either a year or two years later. But – um. He has a couple of co-writes. The whole album's written by, you know, different Tilbrook. Different Tilbrook, but, um, yep. But he he does have a couple of co-writes. Um, so when this album came out, of course, they, they toured. So they come to – I have to tell my Squeeze show story. So they're going to play in 
Rochelle Park, New Jersey, right outside New York City. They're Are gonna you play kidding? This, they're going to play in this, Rochelle Park. It was this little club, Perry, called the Hole in the Wall. Oh, wow. Now, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. There was exactly. actually a hole in the wall. Exactly. Right? It was yeah. literally a hole in the wall yeah, on yeah. Route 17. Tiny little yeah. place. So yeah. we get t- we get tickets to see uh, Squeeze. I saw a couple yeah. good shows. I saw B-52s there. And, you know, they always catered to that, like, level of um, band. Um, you know, not huge, huge bands, it, but like bands on the back up. then there were, there were those kind of clubs in New exactly. Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Almost like stepping stones. Like this band is going to be huge, but you know, they got to start somewhere. That was kind of bands. So what year was this? This is when cool for cats. I mean, uh, when RG Bargy was out. Exactly. So RG Bargy came out, um, like winter of 1980. So this was the spring of 1980. Mm-hmm. I remember cause we were all wearing denim jackets, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we all pile in the car. There's and four of us. cigarettes. Uh, of course, man, rolled up in your sleep. But anyway, so we all pile in the car. We drive there, and uh, numerous substances were consumed. Very, you know, you know the era, you know. You it, know uh, yeah, but I okay. Not, I, drank, I never, I, I never consumed substances. So okay, I drank too much and got too too drunk to go into the show. I was throwing up and everything, so my friends locked me in the car and went in and watched the show. <laughs> and so I was out there in the days. Now, isn't this how Bon Scott of ACDC died? He got, he got like way, he drank himself to death. No, he, he had like way too many drinks and his, he was out of his mind and his friends put him in the car and they went and kept on partying. And apparently he vomited in the middle of the night and choked. Oh, oh. okay. Well, we got a little off pack there, but anyway, so they all went in and my story is they all went in and enjoyed the squeeze show. And there's no worse feeling in the world than driving home hearing your three friends just yap nonstop how great the show was. While you're out in the car puking. And you're out in the car. (laughs) Soiling myself, as it were. (laughs) Dry heaving. Oh, my goodness, Perry. But, you know, uh, I don't want to sully, you know, anything having to do with Squeeze. We're here to, you know, venerate Squeeze, not to, you know. I one of my favorite songs is uh, "Up the Junction." Of course, I never thought it would happen with me and the girl from class. I love that song. That is a great, <laughs> great pop song. I don't know what record it's on, but that is a great song. You know, and they had a couple of um. So apparently, Jules Holland left, and then yeah, um, they had like another, a year. I don't forgot who the other guy was. Right, and then. Um, I just read today. It's like their first reunion record was Cozzy Fantuti. You know that one. Uh, nineteen eighty five, but anyway, it's like their first reunion record. Apparently, they have a number of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I also like uh, I also like the record "Cool for Cats." That was oh, yeah. uh, I think oh, Chris yeah. Difford saying the Indian signals from the rocks above the path. <laughs> <laughs> the cowboy take position in the bushes in the grass. Very good, Perry. So that was, um, I think that was a year before R.G. Bargy. That was, that was, that was the album before R.G. Exactly. Bargy, yeah. It was like their breakthrough. And R.G. Bargy was the one that, you know, and for all that, I thought this, I thought it was a giant hit. And I was reading today, of course, I was on Wikipedia or whatever, um, that it was did only. Wikipedia ask you for money? No, because it did. They, they tend to do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, who do you think they're talking to? You're not getting a dime out of me. But anyway, um, yeah. it, what was I going to say? Oh, it was like they're, they're um, oh, I thought it was a giant hit. But they said it, it reached 70 on the modern rock charts. I'm like, what? What, what reached 70? Argy Bargy. Really? Yeah. I was like, uh, unless I read it wrong or unless they're wrong. I thought that because all the records, uh, radio stations we listened to, they played it nonstop. Well, you know, it, it's it's an interesting thing because I remember – 
that squeeze played Madison Square Garden. Oh yeah. And it's like, but it, the place was almost empty. Really? So yeah, this is what I heard. Like, like wow, that's a strange thing. Like, oh, wow. You know, you could play a theater with five thousand people you rather know, Perry, than an arena with. Well, I don't know what the garden holds. Twenty thousand. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, uh, Perry. Uh, uh, it's funny you say that. I've been to probably. Um, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 concerts at the Garden. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. I haven't been to 1,000 concerts there. Maybe 30 or 40. And the only show that wasn't, like, full or, you know, noticeably not full was Aerosmith. Really? Me, yeah, me and Vernon went to see Aerosmith when they were making, like, their comeback. before Vernon you know, Perone. Yes, Vernon Perone, our friend, our mutual friend, the music mm-hmm. god, Vernon Perone. Um, we went to see it. Uh, Aerosmith, and it was like they toured before that record came out, Permanent Vacation, 1987. So we saw them like, I guess they finally got themselves together, and they were back touring the full with original Joe band. With Joe Perry. He had already made his three Joe Perry project records. Yeah. So yeah. they're all back in the fold, and so I guess they went on tour first, then they recorded the record. So we went there, and they were great. I have to tell you, unabashedly, you know, I was an Aerosmith fan for many years, and I still mm-hmm. am. They were fantastic, Perry. I guess they were all clean and sober. But I got to tell you, the garden, we were sitting up in the upper level, you know, like in the, the higher green seats. It couldn't have been more than two-thirds full. And that was the, you know, the most empty concert I ever saw. And they had somebody really cool opening up for them, too. Who was it? Um, anyway, it was just, you know. So That's you interesting say, you say that because, excuse me, because yeah, I remember, you know, whatever times I've been at the garden, it was a sellout. Absolutely. You're fighting to get in yeah. there, man. Yeah. Lining up for the bathroom. I mean, you know, the whole nine yards. But yeah. um, I, I, you know what, Perry? It might have been a better concert for that, to tell you the truth. Yeah, you maybe. Know, maybe. You know, yep. And I, I, I really can't stress enough how good they were. And I'm not saying that as like a super fan. I was like more of a cat. You know, I, I dig them. Yeah. They were really good. <laughs> but leaning back towards squeeze. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's all right. We, I like these little side uh, side veins. But um. Leaning back towards squeeze, like this group, I always, I always loved this group, and I, I loved, you know, Annie, get your gun, you know, yeah, the later, yeah, uh, yep, later yep. things. I, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Black Coffee in Bed when they no, started I, that, that little soulful bit stuff. You know, quality music. Don't get me wrong, but oh, absolutely, yeah. But I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, you know, and I hate to be one of these people, but I just like their older stuff too, especially RG Bargy. Well, I, I'm a pop fan, so yes, you, you know, well, there was yes. there were two like soulful ones, Black Coffee in Bed, and they were tempted by the fruit of another. Yes, which yes. was sung by uh, a guy that I saw, Paul Carrick. I believe, really? right? Yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Now, we were talking about these small clubs in New Jersey. I saw Nick Lowe at, like, the Loop Lounge in Passaic Park. Really? And it's, it's like, wow, it's Nick Lowe. It's Martin Belmont. It's, it's you right, know, right, right, right. Yeah. It's Paul Carrick. Right. It's, I don't know who the drummer was, Terry Williams, maybe, or something. Right. You know, like, wow. And these guys are in a little club <laughs> in Passaic Park, New Jersey. With it's a couple amazing. People, man. Amazing. They're, they're kicking it. It's like anyway, when uh, squeeze, sorry, yes, uh, squeeze, <laughs> squeeze. squeeze on A and M Records. Okay, so consequently, all of their masters are owned by UMG Universal okay. Music Group, who owns, you know, thousands exactly. upon thousands. They own the world, hundreds the world. of thousands of songs, right? And Til- uh, Glenn Tilbrook really has an issue with that because with the streaming and whatever, they get pennies they get pennies they get pennies right for, so, for this so so what they did was they re-recorded 
Yes. They're hits. Yes. And on the record's called, like, can you tell the difference or something like that? Right. Or can you spot the difference? It's called right. spot the difference or something. That and probably- they, they get 100% of it. They outright own it completely. Now, we've discussed this in the past. This is a classic tactic of bands that have been either been screwed mm-hmm. or, you know, they want to, um, you know, uh, you know, Taylor Swift is doing it right now. She's re-recording her first six albums, yeah. calling them yep. Taylor's versions to, like, snatch it away from the guy who actually owns the masters. So that's uh, well, a hey, good, good luck yeah. to him. Good luck to him, you know. Um, no, but from what I read about Glenn Tilbrick, he said there was a loophole in their contract. Oh, let's hear it. Which I don't know what the loophole was, but they were allowed to re-record their hits. So now what the deal is, they did that because if you want to use their their songs in a commercial or in a movie, you use the new re-records and they get all the money for it, as opposed to Universal Music Group getting 85% of the money and they'll give them, you know, 15% to split amongst, you know, different yeah. and whoever else. Uh. So this is why they do that. And this is why other bands do that. So, I mean, Tilbrook had such a thing where he actually said in a quote, he said, he goes, it feels like, can he goes, can you imagine if your daughter was con- convicted of murder and you know, she was innocent, but yet she got convicted. That's how I feel oh about my these God. songs being owned. By oh Universal God. Music Group, the the master recordings, right? You know, they, so they own it, they own the copyrights, they own everything. Oh Jesus! But they own those, they own those audio masters. So that's where uh, the re-record comes in. There's the loophole. It's just you know, right? It's, yeah, you know, um, you know, another thing too, you know, A and M Records. So the, the, Miles Copeland was their like A and R guy. And they wanted to title the record. Squeeze wanted to title the record, you know, Argy Bargy. That's what right. it was, it's, which is a common English phrase. Miles Copeland. Nobody in America is going to know what that means. You got to change it. And they told him to fuck off. And I'm like, yes, yes. We're, we're, we're English, man. You know? Exactly. And, you know, I think, uh, what's his name? The, not the low voice guy. The other, Glenn Tilbrook. He's like, yeah, we're, we were in our, like, young Englishman, you know, mad at the world. So we told him to fuck off. I was like, excellent. Yeah, but you know? man, what was their thing? Oh, the Americans won't get it. Well, exactly. The Americans, exactly. You know, like, come on. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're so American about everything. Got to move units, man, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, when uh, <laughs> Capital used to get the uh, two-track Beatlemasters. Right. And do, like, you know, Ameri- you know, American versions of these songs. Oh, dear and leave God. songs off and all this, like... <laughs> Really? Like, okay, guys, so you can squeeze two more Beatle albums by holding back two songs per exactly. record or you know, whatever exactly. it is. It's like the United States taught everybody else how to be a grifter. You know? It's like, yeah. If there's a way we can cut a corner yep. or steal a nickel, we're going to figure it out. You know, classic record companies, you know, records were made out of vinyl, which is, you know, relatively fragile. Mm-hmm. No matter what, they'd, they'd whack them with a 10% breakage fee. Yeah, yeah. Even if, it, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it's just graft on top of graft. You know? So that's what I that's what I hope is happening. I hope that you know if squeeze songs are used in a movie or used to sell products, that right. they use the re-records. This way, though, these guys get all the money, and Universal Music Group exactly. Grew you, you know? exactly. Yeah, it's you know I know this has been discussed into the ground, but I got to say it again. You know all these big heritage acts that are selling their back catalog for hundreds of millions of dollars. Good luck to them. God bless them, you know. Better they get the money yeah. than somebody else squeeze it because it's diminishing returns. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, or Bob Dylan's eighty years old, eighty-one years old. Yeah, <laughs> I think three hundred million dollars will hold him over for the rest of his life. Don't you think? 
<laughs> Perry does have to put a roof on the garage. I mean, Jesus, yeah. three hundred million dollars right. on, yeah. on top of the five hundred he probably already has. I mean, come right. on. Right, but you know, there's no, there's no issue there. I mean, you know, apparently Bruce Springsteen sold his catalog for like half a billion or something. You exactly. Know? And Perry, I have some, um, you know, but but oh, excuse me, no, but, go ahead. <laughs> selling your catalog, so they're selling the copyrights. So Bruce Springsteen owned. And Dylan owned all of his copyrights? You know, a lot of these bands, Perry, I don't know the specifics about either one of those two, but a lot of these bands, as they get bigger and bigger, Mm -hmm. they finagle their masters back. You know, even if it cost them a little on the next contract, you know, it'll be like, oh, okay, CBS, I'll sign for just $20 instead of $30 but you got to give me everything back. And the record companies are like, okay, you know. Right. I mean, they, they, you know. Sorry, but there's the case no, by sure. Squeeze who cannot afford to buy. Of course the not. Back, of course, right? there's so, only a handful of these bands, right. you know, Springsteen, yeah. and you know whatever. You know they said Dave. Uh, you know I remember Paul Westerberg <laughs> sold his back catalog. Paul Westerberg, lead singer of the Replacements, but right, yeah, great and he songwriter, said, great songwriter, absolutely. Yeah. But you know he had a decent back catalog, and I guess it was 20 years ago he sold it. This way before the big boon in it. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, I was a millionaire for a day. That's what he says. You know, he wouldn't tell you how much he got. He's like, what did he mean by that? Well, he probably got, you know, over a million dollars for his back catalog. But then he's like, then the tax man came, the manager came, and I had to buy a house for the family. So, you know, know, so who knows what he actually cleared. But I got to tell you, if Paul Westerberg got a million dollars for his back catalog 20 years ago, he was doing great, you know, because. But see, there's the thing, too. He has written so many great songs. Oh, yeah. I mean, they name movies after these guys' songs. There's a movie called Can Hardly Wait. I mean, where do you think they get that idea from? You know, wasn't there an issue? Wasn't there an issue with um, Tom Petty? Apparently, came up with a rebel without a clue. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Before Paul Westerberg, like, was there a thing, or did Paul Westerberg have it first? It's the other way around. It's the other way around. Yeah, Westerberg had it first. Then he went on tour with Petty, and then Petty has the song. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. You got to yeah. connect the dots. We're not all yeah. saints. Hey, it's know. just a line, man. Exactly. You know, it's, you know, it's like I, saying, keep on trucking in a song, you know, like, he, bro, well, you can't say that because I said it on my record. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, a lot of these things are inadvertent. And, and surprisingly, what people don't realize is that you're usually settled amicably. They either just give the person a credit or, yeah, moving, yeah. you know, like that big Rolling Stones and um, what's her name? Um, oh, what the hell's her name? KT Lane. KT, um, what's her name? I don't know. She's a folk singer from Canada. Oh, damn. KT Lane? Yeah, that's it. That's it. She had a song that the Stones, the melody's exactly the same. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and they and, gave and, her a co-write. Of course. Right? And it was yeah. inadvertent. You could tell it's inadvertent. It's very, you right. know, I, I'm yeah. not saying common, but it's not like, you know, it's yeah. just this melody. And it's very recognizable. And it was very obvious, too. So the yeah. Stones, you know, graciously, you know, gave her a co-write and everything like that. And she was yeah, fine right. with that. Uh, yeah. I don't mind having my name on a Rolling Stones yeah. album. <laughs> I have, I have a record by KD Lang called Invincible Summer. It is a great record. Really? It is fabulous. Yeah. KD Lang, Invincible Summer. Yep. So, so like these uh, in movies, <laughs> there's songs in movies that when you hear one song, it takes you right to the, for instance, um, 
you, you know, like uh, when you hear Layla, right? I think of that movie Goodfellas. Absolutely. When, all, when the bodies are turning up. Absolutely. Right? And, you know, and things like that. Classic and, use of a song. And when you hear that for a certain person, like you said, you you instantly are pulled back to that movie. Correct. Um, right. Uh, um, one of mine is, I don't know if you remember the song, uh, movie The Warriors. Warriors that was, that was come like out 1979, to play. right? Exactly. We were. I was in high school. I remember seeing it, and there was a big scandal because it was like causing riots at movie theaters. But anyway, really, the, um, the closing scene after the Warriors make it back to Coney, blah blah. Yeah, blah, is that was the, the whole movie? Is them working their way back to exactly. the road turf, right? So they or finally make it back to their, their turf, and you know they lost yeah. some brothers along the way, Perry. But you know they finally made it back to their turf, and the ending of the movie it ends with the. In the city, really? Oh, uh, Joe Walsh. Now, was it the Eagles or was it Joe Walsh doing his own version of it? Now, I believe it was the Eagles' version, the one that's okay. on the right. long run. Or uh, is that the record? Yeah, I think it's on the long run uh, by the so. Eagles. But did Joe Walsh sing lead on that record? On that yes, song? yes, he, he did. did. Yeah, yes, he did. And that's it's a, a nice fanta- song. It's, it's a, nice a fantastic song. song. Yeah. And whenever I hear that, you know. It's like uh, it's an emotional point of the movie because, you know, they fought their way back, you know, all yeah. kidding aside, you know, the movie's decent. And, yeah. You know, they fought their way back there. And it, it was really cool at the end how they walk along the beach. So whenever I've ever heard that song since, it just brings me right there, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, here's a for instance, right? Yeah. Whenever I hear the song, this is the end. My <laughs> only friend. the end. Now, what song? What movie do you think about when you hear that? Um uh what is it um apocalypse now apocalypse now oh right? yeah oh Here, yes. listen to this you an assassin <laughs> i'm a soldier this is the end you're neither you're an errand boy and by grocery clerks <laughs> Perry, so I love that. That you know, like when I, whenever I hear that, I when it, that takes me to that movie right yeah, absolutely, there. Absolutely, absolutely. That scene, for, for <laughs> instance, excuse me, that Tom <laughs> yeah. Cruise movie, Old Time Rock and Roll. That's risky business. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It throws you right back to. I don't know oh, because yeah. of him dancing. You know, he slides into the, the room. The oh my whatever, god! Right? Talk about iconic, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, Perry. Now here's another one. Right when you hear this. I know you will know what movie this reminds you of. Okay. Train spotting. Absolutely. Train spotting. <laughs> so isn't that isn't that something? That, it's that perfect. song takes takes me to train spotting. Absolutely. I should have yeah. queued one up for you. I'm sorry. And, um, and he he wrote that song with Bowie, by the way. Bowie's the oh, co writer on that song. Yeah. Oh, that's a great song. And, yeah. Uh, that whole movie is hilarious about how they talk about, you know, Iggy, Iggy story. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, yeah. it's their whole world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But every, you know, it's amazing. Like that, just that beat. Yep. You know? And then how many, how many, um, now it can also be abused too. So how many Vietnam war movies made in the eighties had, you know, fortunate son in it, you know, it's like, Come on, yeah. I, I, I guess the big, uh, like, the like big, Forrest Gump, Forrest right, Gump. But or, yeah, I think yeah. they used it a couple other times. I mean, it, it's just too easy to go to, right? You know? See, when I hear Fortunate Son, I don't think of Forrest Gump. No, you don't, because you're a big, you're a giant John. 
for the listening public out there, Perry's one of the biggest John Fogarty fans in the world. So, no, you wouldn't think of that. No, but uh, it's just, I, like you said, Fortunate Son has been in so many movies. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, it Who'll doesn't stop the rain. To, it yeah. doesn't take, for instance, Simon and Garfunkel now, right? Yeah. The Graduate. Hello, darkness, my old friend. And Mrs. Robinson. Right. Now, when I hear, you know, I hear those, they kind of take me to that movie. It's funny you say that because I just recently acquired, Perry, yeah. the, the soundtrack to The Graduate. You recently acquired the rights to the no, soundtrack? No, no, no. I got an, I got an album, an actual, you know, 12-inch vinyl LP? album. Wow. Yeah, it's wrapped in plastic. It costs $4. At a is it car a, sale? Is it like an old one from that time? Absolutely, it is. Wow. Now it's now it's worn. I mean, it, it has, it doesn't have any value, intrinsic value as a collectible. Yeah. But I, I'm trying to slowly build up my album collection, which was lost yeah. unfortunately 20 years ago. But anyway, <laughs> now is it is it like does it is it an original one like with the act or does it have a mylar sleeve where it's just like a reprint and uh, no it's funny you should say that cuz it it is an actual original print from that you know so it's 20 years old and the reason why you know cuz has the insert for the album which has right. ads for all the records that are on the label yes yep you know it's all these corny guys you know all yeah. these instrumentals yep. acker bilk and stuff like that you know so yeah so it's it's definitely from you know what was that 1967 i guess uh yeah mid 60s yep, yep. yeah because on the sleeve you know on that inner sleeve there's no rock bands and i saw um who was the director of uh, the graduate uh mike nichols Mike Nichols, I saw him interviewed, and he was he was talking about how he was a cool cat. Man. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, the late great yeah. Mike Nichols, and um, he was talking about the music, and he said, "Yeah, they went, you know, they went to," uh, and he was saying that um, Mrs. Robinson was supposed to be about Eleanor Roosevelt, like where really? have you gone, Mrs. Roosevelt? Jesus, you know, like those, nah, those nah, kind nah, of nah. yeah. And he changed it, but Mike Nichols was like, he goes, I don't understand. He goes, you know, the song starts and he goes, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> and Mike Nichols was like, what is this? But it's just so infectious. That's a great song. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. And anyway. oh, and Pulp Fiction with that Dick Dale song. I don't know what that song is called, but you know, I don't know what that song is uh, called. It's uh, that's not um. Oh, I was. But I think wrong. of Pulp Fiction when I is hear that. Is that Apache? No, I don't think it's. No, I don't no. Think it's, yeah, it might, I don't know what the song is called. If, yeah, if I never get the names go, of those. Yeah, that's what I, it's called. Yeah, I never get those names, man. Yeah, but you know what I mean. That Dick Dale thing. Yep. And, uh, I uh, think uh, of what, Pulp Fiction when I hear that. What's the one where they're dancing? Isn't that um? Oh no, no, no! That's a different song. <clears throat> oh, I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, that was um. What was and that? Also, uh, now when I hear this song by uh, was it Urge Overkill doing the uh, Neil Diamond cover? Yes, I, I, that's I the think... song. That's the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where they're dancing, girl. Yeah. Dun, 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 right, you'll be a you'll woman be a soon. Woman. Right. <laughs> yeah. Another song that has not well aged because well. the movies are so great. <laughs> they kind of take almost take the song over. Yes, they do. For instance, uh, you know, I love. I love these uh, these Clint Eastwood orangutan movies. Oh, yeah. every which way, balloons. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, all right. Granted, right, now, now, you know, Snuff, Snuff Garrett produced that that song. Eddie Rabbit sang it for the movie, right? But it's still, you know, every which way, balloons. It's a great song. It's great. It's great. The well, movies I mean, are you great. Know, 
that's for like Holiday Road, uh, Lindsay Buckingham for the vacation movie. Yep. Holiday Road. Oh. Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. How about this one? Dolly Parton, nine two five. You know, that's oh, those yeah. are for the movie, right? Absolutely. They're really, yeah. you know, it's almost like a spec song. You know, it's like we need this song with you know, you gotta put the title in the song. Okay, no problem. Right, yeah. Some people can do that. Dolly Parton. Oh my goodness. Right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Dolly Parton. Perry, there's uh, uh What's your before, favorite Dolly Parton song? Mine is Jolene. Jolene is uh, I probably it. That's probably yeah. it. I gotta tell you though, um we're gonna do our live look back later. But mm-hmm. um there's Soon. a clip. There's a clip on YouTube when Dolly Parton played Glastonbury. Uh, so it was, uh, I think it was 2016 or 2017. So mm-hmm. apparently at the Glastonbury Festival on Sunday, they always have like a giant heritage act. You know, this past one they did, yeah. it was Paul McCartney and everything. Anyway, Perry, she came out on stage with a crack band and nonstop for like an hour and 10 minutes just spewed hits. Uh, just one song after another. Mm-hmm. The energy was ridiculous. She was all over the stage. She she played about nine different instruments. She played guitar. She played banjo. Uh, what else did she play? She was all over the place. I can't. Mm-hmm. You can't believe how many song great songs she's written. Oh, I bet. Yeah, uh, it was fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. How, how'd we get on Dolly Parton? <laughs> That's okay. It was a little. It was a little side road. You know, a little. It was a byway. <laughs> byway. <laughs> so. Oh, um, this so we have a we have a segment called live look back yes right tom yes it's fantastic so, yeah and so <laughs> and uh so tom and i will go on youtube and look for live uh people performing live absolutely live not lip synced exactly you know, like on top of the pops or whatever absolutely performing live right so i found deep purple playing highway star in japan right. i guess for the made in japan record right and wow it was uh, perry I, i've said this a number of times in in, in past shows mm-hmm. some of these clips some of these performances maybe i'm naive or whatever i firmly believe that these live performances that we, we talk about are sometimes better than the album so much better not yeah. so much better yeah. now this now this is a tremendous song and the entire band is just you can tell you look sometimes at bands Everybody is in top form. They're doing I mean, everything. For instance, Ian Pace he has a four-piece drum set. Yes, it's it's amazing what he does with this, and it's just so physical. So he has that one up tom, and his shoulders are just rolling as he just yeah. keeps hitting that. It's and of course, amazing. Roger Glover had his big Rickenbacker bass. Yep, yep. Right? Yeah. Now he didn't always have Rickenbackers, but um, at no, that but he period, had a Rickenbacker on this. Then, absolutely. Made did. Yeah, and this was, I guess, 1970, maybe. Oh, it sounded, it sounded so good. The, in, the intro to that song is always, you know, electrifying. You know, it starts off in the drums, yeah. start growing. Uh, but that opening organ part, it was just amazing. Yeah, I just, oh, yeah. God, you know. But, but also, you know, Rich, the prima donna, Richie Blackmore. <laughs> in fact, on this clip, I don't know, for some reason, he had double stack marshals. And he yes. takes one of them and moves them to the side for some Did you see reason. that? Yeah. Did you, I thought he was tilting it. More towards no, he, he he's one of these guys like he his ro- he gets pissed off at his roadies you know really this kind of stuff but the guy was amazing man I mean he was doing that stuff in the middle oh, yeah 
Oh yeah, you know, like I don't know what they're called, but like wow, but the one guy was nimble, man. Like what the hell is he doing? But Barry, it's funny because in the comments, like one of the first to second times, read a couple some of the comments is like the the cameraman should be fired and killed. He missed the greatest solo of all time. You know, you know. I don't there's know about that. A, there's the thing, too. In When I was looking for the live look back, right? Right. Now, I was looking, and I searched. I found Elton John right. playing, I think it was Honky Cat, right? Yeah. Get back, Honky Cat. I, it may have been that. No, it wasn't. He was playing uh, He was playing Rocket Man. Okay. He was playing Rocket Man, and it was live. It was live. But the camera only stayed on him. That's why uh, I didn't use it because yes. that's just poor direction. Exactly. There's, you know, I mean, who are the other guys? D. Anthony is there, right? Yep. And you know, and like, well, you you didn't show, and this is like 1972 right. or something. It's like it's like I, I understand it's the Elton John show, and you want to key on him. I understand that, but to just completely neglect the rest of this great band, you know, Absolutely, give us a medium yeah. shot. You don't have to close up on them, but that, Jesus. it was ridiculous. The camera did not move. <laughs> the camera did not move from Elton John. Like, wait a minute. Wait. So I said, no, this is bullshit. I'm not using this, man. I like direction. I what li- kind of I low like budget wonder- production is this? But. And it, it, I know, was, I it know. was a major thing, too. I don't know what show it was on or what. But right. Like, come on, man. You know, these other guys, and there's four other guys there. Yeah, this, yeah. Was, this was back like Elton John wasn't the biggest deal back then. Right. And it's not like rock and roll was invented an hour ago. You know, it's like, come on, you know. Uh, we had a previous show where we were talking about uh, Love and Spoonful doing um, yeah, yep. Do You Believe in Magic? And right yeah. when it gets to the solo, that's when they decide to pan to the screaming girls right, in the auditorium. Right, I as mean, opposed dude. to Sol- Solinovsky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, please, dude, work with me a little bit here. You know? Yeah, yeah. But this Highway Star, I mean, you were right. These it's, guys it's great. were at it's their great. peak. At their peak. I mean, Ian Gillen was, wow. This was a perfect performance by Ian Gillen. Those, scre- those screams that he does in there. They were absolutely spot on. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and of course, it's just great. Japanese audiences, they sit there politely. <laughs> Plus, it was kind of an odd stage. Didn't it look like a high school stage? Like, yeah, yeah, because there like were flat. people all the way around the side. Yeah. You know, know like were, their, their seats were like behind John Lord. Yeah. You know, yeah. Who was yeah. To the left, you know, stage left. Yeah. But hey, you know, but it was cool. I mean, like you said, these guys were sharp. They were oh, sharp. Yeah. Each of them in their own in their own right. I mean, well, that's just it. They're all they're all at their. You know, we love these live lookbacks because mm-hmm. often you know um, bands are doing. You know, they don't have to do something obscure. You can do your biggest hit. Remember when we did the Marmalade doing their you mm-hmm. know their biggest hit? It's just fantastic seeing these guys on the they're, top they're of their game. Hit, yeah, yeah, they're one big hit. But yeah. it's it's great seeing you know when a band is just you know just crack and of course it's that classic deep purple lineup you know it's like that what they call it that, that mark was, uh, one or mark two no, that or... was phase two phase two there the you go. best deep purple yeah because yeah, i yeah, had yeah. i had i had the machine head cassette yeah okay you know that i got for uh for my birthday and uh i also had made in japan on cassette no no not made in japan i had who do we think we are on cassette i, I had made in japan on eight track wow it was the only i didn't buy it it was my brother's, and I snatched it. But uh, isn't that crazy? Eight tracks. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so, oh, oh, so tell me about this Emmy Lou Harris uh, uh, okay. clip that you sent me. 
So Emily Lou Harris, the lovely Emily Lou Harris, we all love her. Um, here she's doing "Say La Vie." Now I oh, think you never can tell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What a tremendous song! Many, many different and great versions of it. Yeah, I believe it's a Chuck Berry song. It is a Chuck Berry song, and yeah. um, my personal, not my favorite, but the Ronnie Lane version with um, his band. Yeah, um, I, I love that version too. But uh, so here, Emmy Lou Harris is playing. And uh, she's playing the big acoustic guitar, and she has she's the playing her jumbo acoustic. Yep. <laughs> exactly, it's huge. Probably a Gibson Hummingbird or something. Yeah. But the two guitar players are Albert Lee, called the great Albert Lee, Leah, with the Telecaster. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and um, what's the other guy named Rodney McCowell? Rodney Crowell. Crowell. Yeah. There you go. Rodney Crowell. Yeah. I, now I now Perry, I got to defer to you. I don't know who the other players were. There was that guy playing the pedal steel. There was a great, great steel player who, uh, you know, Albert Lee was playing along with him too. Oh, yeah. By the way, but then when Albert Lee took his solo, it's like, oh, you got to step oh. back and see this. And this is like 1972. <laughs> oh. and, and you, you know, know, this guy just gets better and better and better. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And one of these guys, and of did... course, he moved to Nashville. Did he? Um, oh yeah, he moved to Nashville. He's oh, a dear. he's a session cat oh, in Nashville. Dear. Yep, yep. Bees can't avoid the honey. <laughs> a great bass playing though. Great bass player and great drumming on the, oh yeah on oh, Amy yeah. Lou Harris. You never say la vie. You never can tell. Oh, it's great. You, yeah. you know, and there's so many different versions of that. The classic, you know, Chuck Berry original, and there's other mm-hmm. like even more raucous versions. I've heard some with fiddle and everything like that. Yeah, but hers, yeah, yeah. Hers, her, you can hear, the, yeah, you can hear like Zydeco versions of that. Exactly. Song, which, yeah, I, I, I believe the Meters did a, yeah, a, a great I mean, version of it. I, maybe Chuck Berry didn't write it. I I'm don't pretty, know. You know, I don't know. I thought it was Chuck Berry. If I'm wrong, as as always here. In well, the, the most famous version that I know, of course, was Chuck Berry. On the Tom and Perry Music Show, we 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 do play. You know, we don't claim to have the facts. Stay <laughs> <laughs> la vie. And then I also sent you a clip of the Ventures. Oh doing yes, Pipeline. Yes, was that this it? Was the, this was the original Ventures. It was a little couple of years after, you know, 1960. Yeah. When did Pipeline come out? 62. So, Perry, what year do you think that clip actually was? Because I won't well, do the big reveal. Well, it was Peter Frampton. Peter so Frampton is yeah. playing on it. Yeah, Peter Frampton had a, he was playing a red Stratocaster on there. So I'm guessing he looked early seventies. He looked very young. Yeah, like and very there was young, a guy like short hair playing with them. I think on a flying V. I think it was Link Ray. I'm gonna. I'll find out when Link I find Ray. out. Yeah. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Well, we lost recently. I think right. Vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> yeah. Rumble. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Yep. I love that song. Sorry, sorry. Rumble. The late great Link Ray. Yes, but that's a great song. Uh, what was it? Pipeline. You sure it was Pipeline? I think it was Pipeline. Yeah. Uh, all those thick strings they're playing. <laughs> yeah, yep. There's at least two guys like doing that. Uh, the bass player is doing that. Yeah, really, really do, do, good do, 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 Exactly, do, do, do. exactly. I love surf music, man. But that was. But great, I just happened great. to notice it. Like, holy, that's Peter Frampton. When you, you said know, that, I had to look yeah. at it again. I'm like, oh my god, it is with the short yeah. hair and a suit jacket. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. It's Peter Frampton, like, so, <clears throat> excuse me. What I love is that these guys love this stuff. Oh, sure. They love this stuff. But I'll find out. I believe it was Link Ray. That was. What do you you think the circumstance was? Was that like, you know, do you think it was like a show with them on it? I don't know. Because. I I think so, because they were just so beloved. 
Was this by, like John Stamos the, playing with the Beach Boys? Was well, like it's that? funny you say that because <laughs> there was another Sorry. clip I saw where them doing Wipeout. Okay. Or so, and Max Weinberg had a drum set. What? Yeah. So there's uh, there's uh, them playing Wipeout, which is a Safari song, right. but it's just a surf song. So a lot of bands play Wipeout, right? Right. So they're playing Wipeout, and these two guys are matching each other. This, you know, and then Max Weinberg's doing, and they're they're taking pills. Really? Yeah, get yeah, out yeah. of here. Yeah, you could just look oh, up the oh, ventures. I got, yeah, I gotta doing, check it out. Uh, I gotta check doing, it out. Doing, um, what did I say? Uh, Wipeout. Wipeout. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. I can you work know, with the, that. You know, on the safaris, you know what the flip side of uh, Wipeout was? What? It's sort of a Paul Westerberg connection there. Surfer <laughs> Joe was oh, the. Get uh, out of here. Yeah, the flip side of Wipeout. Yeah. Wow. Surfer Joe. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Surfer Joe. Oh, oh. Poor Joe. <laughs> the seven syllable word. That was the, that was the B side of Wipeout, I believe. Oh, my God. Yeah. Good stuff, Barry. Good stuff. Yeah. Have you got any trivia questions, Tom? Funny you should say that, Perry, because I have a couple of trivia questions for you. Now, as always, we take I take my trivia questions from Classic Rock Magazine presents the Ultimate Rock and Roll Quiz Book. Over 1,000 questions. So we've been chipping away at this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so Perry, let's start right off with I think you'll get this one. Okay. <laughs> Not so sure, but let's let's roll. Let me put my glasses on. Okay. Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. Yeah. 19th Nervous Breakdown by the Rolling Stones. And yeah. the Who's, the Kids Are All Right, were all released as singles in which year? Nineteen sixty-six. You are correct, sir. As always, I, I never had a doubt, Perry. I knew you. Nineteenth uh, Nervous Breakdown, by the way, is one of my favorite Rolling oh, Stones. Oh yeah, here singles. he comes. One of my singles. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Here we have another one. Here, Perry. Um, I don't know if you, I think you'll get this one. I think you'll get this one. But okay. 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 Which band was known in its early in its early days as the Stock Forest Group? And soft white underbelly. Oh, that's Blue Oyster Cult. You are correct again, sir. Yeah. You're on I the knew street. I knew because of soft white underbelly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, even I even I knew that one. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do one more. Let's uh I don't know. Let's let's change tack a little bit here. Let's okay. Try. All right. How about this one, Perry? I think you'll get this one, but we'll see. Yorma Yorma Kokinen and yeah. Jack Cassidy mm-hmm. left Jefferson Airplane to form which band? Hot tuna. Hot t- Perry, you're scalding. You're steaming. I Wait, am there. You know what? We're going to keep going until you. Until you. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's okay. do it. All right. How about this one? In 1982, Ozzy Osbourne was arrested for urinating on which famous American monument? Oh, it was the Alamo. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Stop the press. Let's roll. <laughs> Perry's like a human sun. He's just emanating heat. He's so hot. All right, we've run out of questions. No, we'll we'll have one more question for you, Perry. All right, how about this? Um, in which year? I'm sorry. In what year was Queen's "News of the World" released? Ooh, I had that record too. Yes, green, it was the green thing with the robot on the cover. Yeah, with the big monster on the cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say 1979. Oh, the streak stops. 1977, Perry. Oh, okay. 
Wow. That's your first okay. loss in like five weeks, man. Well, that's all right. It's yep. a good run, though. A good yep. run. Everybody. I've got a couple good. of questions. Maybe I can uh, – uh, oh, no. You'll probably get them. You know, I don't um, know, Perry. The, uh, Jagger and Richards wrote a song, As Tears Go By. Okay. But who recorded the song before the Rolling Stones? <gasps> I know this one, Perry. Is it wait? Nope. Is it is this like a trick question? Not a trick question. Okay. There was an artist who recorded yeah. "As Tears Go By" before the Stones did it. Okay, um, Marianne Faithful. Marianne Faithful. Yep. The only reason I ask was that it a risk is because there was another guy, Chris something or other, who released a version of it too. But I don't know if that was before. Right. And after. she was Jagger's girlfriend at the time, I or know, something like yeah. that, or Brian's yeah. girlfriend, or something. And, and it's weird because it has this nice baroque arrangement. It's kind of weird. You know? Yeah, it's a good yep. song though. Good song. So, um, Do you have Peter, Paul, one? and Mary had a big oh, no. hit with leaving on a jet plane, right? Uh-huh. Can you tell me who wrote that song? John Denver. Johnny Denver, yeah. Yes. John Denver wrote that song. Yeah. Sorry. I was just so excited. I knew it. I just blurted it out. <laughs> I, I, I can't build drama, Barry. I can't do uh, it. There, there, was a, there, was a, there was a song, I think, when Wings Over America did, uh, you know, they... They did a Simon and Garfunkel song. It was called uh, Richard Corey. Really? I wish that I could be Richard Corey. Yeah, I and, know uh, that song. And live, uh, like on the last verse, they go, wish that I could be John Denver. Really? Yeah. Was that a dig, you think? No, not a dig at all. It was uh, It was like a thumbs up. Perry, you, you've always been a John Denver fan. John Denver's American icon. Absolutely. Not all, not all the songs, but, they, you know, no. when I was a kid, the big acoustic guitar, some of those songs like Take Me Home, Country Road. Oh, they my just, God. They just pull you in. They oh, just pull you in. What an emotional song. Yeah. From the first time I heard that, that always had an effect on me. Always had an effect on me. Yeah. Take Me Home, Country Roads, and Rocky Mountain High. Oh, my one goodness. That and because he had that big guild acoustic guitar, it was just, I liked the production on those songs. <sighs> Never saw an eagle fly. Yeah. He oh, knew my goodness. Well, what a great line. He knew he'd be a poor man if he never saw yeah. an eagle oh. fly. And, Perry, you know, you pointed that out to me, and I remember years ago seeing my uh, a bald eagle in the wild and thinking, mm-hmm. instantly thinking of that line. It's yeah, like, yeah. okay, you know, I'm not one of yeah. those people. I don't check boxes. You know, I don't have, like, you know, yeah. things like that. It just happened, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, I have another one. It's not a trivia question. It's just okay. uh, see okay. if you know, like uh, – all Akron, right. Ohio. <gasps> There's a lot of musicians who have come from Akron, Ohio. I can and name you, two. You can name two. Go ahead. All right. I know that um, Kim Deal of the Breeders is from Akron. Really? Yes. See, I didn't uh, know that. Yep. Okay, um, cool. I also know that Chrissy Hind of the Pretenders is from Chrissy Hind is from Akron, <laughs> Ohio. <laughs> now, of course, there must, be, there must be more, but those are the only two I know. Well, there's two more. Those two guys. Um, oh, wait, Devo. 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 Yes. Sorry. There's, Did well, I just steal your thunder? There, no, no, no. There's three uh, Mother's mother's Ball brothers. That's, yes, yes. The, mother, the Mother's Ball family are from Akron, Ohio. Okay. And, of course, Mark Mother's Ball. But he had his, one of his brothers was in, uh, was in Devo as well. And the other brother is uh, quite famous in his own right, too. So the, the Mother's Ball family... Are okay. from uh, from Akron, Akron. Ohio. Okay. You know who else is from Akron, Ohio? Tell me. Two guys from the Alice Cooper band. Get Glenn out of Buxton, here. Glenn Buxton and Neil Smith. 
Neil from Smith. Akron, Ohio. Now, apparently, yeah. I don't believe we've ever talked about Ellis Cooper on the show. We're going to have to save that for a future. We will. Is, uh, is Neil Smith dead? Is he? Is he one of them's gone, uh, right? Or is it Glenn at, Buxton? At least one of them. At least yeah. one of them is definitely gone. So, so there, there's a few more. Sure. That, uh, the the two guys from the Black Keys, Dan Auerbach and Patrick Corney from Akron, Ohio. Perry, where are you getting this from? Where am I getting it from? No, no, I'm these, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, this is amazing. Everyone yeah. always talks about, oh, all these bands from Boston and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. Akron, yep. Ohio, who'd have thought? Now, the uh, Grandpa Jones is from <laughs> Akron, Ohio. <laughs> Grandpa Jones. And here's okay. one that I didn't know. Okay. The great, the great filmmaker, Jim Jarmusch, is from Akron, really? Ohio. Yeah, yep. Real now, Perry. It's funny you say that all this about Akron, Ohio, because I hope to retire soon, mm-hmm. and I have to find a place to live where I can afford. And it's at the number one place, in the you know one of the top three cities is Akron, Ohio, former rubber town. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Who's Rachel Sweet. Rachel Sweet was. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a familiar name. I believe well, she, she was- whoever she is. She's from Akron, Ohio, also. She was a singer. I can't. I can't think of an album or, or a record, but I know maybe late seventies, early eighties. I'm taking a shot here. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I remember hearing the name. It's a great name. That's uh, a rock Jim Jarmusch. I can't. Jim Jarmusch. This guy is great. What's that movie? Did he make that movie with Harry Dean Stanton, where he's down in uh? What's the name of that movie? He made. I, excuse me. I don't know the name of all of his movies, but he made the Elvis instance, movie. He was in Sling Blade. Yeah, was he really? Sling blade. Yeah, he was at the the, uh, the frosty cream with the paper hat. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when Carl Carl wants, uh, he goes, well, we have French fries. Uh, how much you want for them? You know? <laughs> don't don't go yeah. sling blade on me. Don't go sling blade on me. Yeah, we'll never finish this. <laughs> how much you want for them? <laughs> how much you want for that? <laughs> So, and Jim Jarmers, did you ever see the movie he made? I can't remember what it's called. He made it. It was Bill Murray, okay. Adam Driver, and Tilda Swinton. And they were. It was a zombie movie. No, it was. Uh, it was. It was a zombie comedy. Oh where, dear! You know, you have to chop the heads off the zombies. Oh goodness! And, um, and Tom Waits was in it. Tom Waits play, played a hermit that lived <laughs> in the woods, and. As all the zombies were, you know, killing the people and whatever, he just watched it all from the woods. He was safe because nobody knew he was in the woods, living in the woods. Oh, good Lord. But it was a great Jim Jarmish movie. I'll find <laughs> out. When I find out what it's called, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and didn't he make some black and white movies, Jim Jarmish, uh, right? He's, the, he's, you know, he's one of these, uh, yeah, I'm not Didn't super, he do some of those smoke movies? With I'm the, not super familiar with his work, but I just know of him. He's avant-garde, Perry. Yeah, he's, uh, yep. He's he like, makes absolutely interesting movies. Yep. Like that guy, David Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah. He, he makes really odd, odd, disturbing movies, you know? And there has to be a place in the world for that, other than these, you know, and I'm not talking about, like, just, you know, art house movies, you know? Some of, you know, what's the name, you know, Cronenberg's movies have been big, you know? You know? But uh, not everything has to be a Marvel movie and cost $300 million. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's uh, sorry. That was my little tirade against. Oh, sorry. About uh, that. One more movie thing too. Okay. When I hear, uh, when I hear Nancy Sinatra, these boots are made for walking. Oh. I think of 
full metal jacket, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Love you long time, Gio. <laughs> you got girlfriend Vietnam? <laughs> and I, I think of this, too. Listen to this. You a photographer? No, I'm a combat correspondent. Oh, you seen much combat? <laughs> I've seen a little on TV. Uh-oh. You're a real comedian. Well, they call me the Joker. <laughs> well, I got a joke for you. I'm going to tear you a new asshole. <laughs> well, Pilgrim, only after you eat the peanuts out of my shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one for like just some of these songs of being here right there, right? <laughs> Perry, I love that scene. They are seconds away from going at it when what's his name pops in the building. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, he was called Animal Mother, right? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. Great movie. Great movie. Oh, yeah. But anyway. Okay. So. Yeah, so I think we uh, we had a pretty good show, didn't we, Tom? A great show, Perry. Always enjoyable. We um, uh, we haven't had one in a little while. This was a nice comeback. Uh, yeah, always, absolutely. Always, always a good time at the Tom and Perry Music Show. It went it went fast too. We're at fifty two minutes already. We're getting close to an hour. Get out of so, here! Uh, yeah, I don't so do anything for a, an hour, Perry. No. Let me play our silly little closing theme. All right, all right. And, uh, I like it. And, uh, and we'll talk to you guys. Uh, Talk to you next time. Good night, everybody. Tom, have a good night. You too, Perry. We'll see you soon. On the next edition of the Tom and Perry Music Show. Next edition, we're hopefully next week. Maybe the week after that, but it's always enjoyable, Tom. Always, Perry. I had a blast. Me too. We covered a lot of topics. It was pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night.